Uh, good evening, brothers and sisters, and uh, uh, welcome to St. Mary's for Evensong service. Uh, can I get you to turn with me, uh, if you've lost your page, it's page 1061, page 1061 of the Church Bibles, uh, John chapter 5, beginning from verse 19, uh, we'll take verse 19 all the way to verse 30. Uh, can I also ask you if you could um, open up your bulletin, the white bulletin you received as you came in, and the center pages of that uh, will have the sermon outline for today. Uh, so if you can open that up as well, that'll be helpful. Uh, but most importantly, page 1061, uh, John chapter 5, uh, and we start at verse 19. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word. We thank you that you have been speaking to us as your Word has been read and sung this evening. And we pray that you continue to do that as we um, consider this passage together. Uh, may your Spirit enable me to uh, preach your Word faithfully in His power. May He work in each one of our hearts. May He open our eyes to see Jesus more clearly that we might love him and honor him uh, as he deserves to be honored. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we saw that people hated Jesus. They hated Jesus because he cut across human religion, and they hated Jesus because he claimed to be equal with God. This week, we'll look more carefully at his claim to be equal with God. And we will see exactly what that means for us. We will see three essential things that Jesus does as the Son who is equal to the Father and how they impact our lives right now and way into the future. But before we do that, let me remind you of the story uh, that leads up to the passage we're looking at this week. It's there in the first 18 verses of John 5. There was this man who had been an invalid for 38 years. And... That was a situation that was, well, it was pretty hopeless, wasn't it? He was sitting at, uh, with all the other sick and disabled people at a place in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. And he probably thought that if he could get to the pool when the water was stirred, he could, he could be healed, but he, he'd never been able to get in. And he had no one to put him in. He was, he was helpless. And Jesus came to this hopeless, helpless man. And he said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And the voice of Jesus was so powerful, his word was so powerful, that this man got up, he took up his bed and walked. But the Jews objected. Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath and commanded him to carry his bed on the Sabbath. But according to their law, not the Old Testament per se, but the elaboration of that in their religious tradition, this was wrong on both counts. And so they wanted to persecute him. But Jesus had answered them in verse 17. My father is working until now, and I am working. Now, even in the Jewish rabbinic tradition, God was technically allowed to work on the Sabbath, and we saw why last week. And Jesus says, well, since God the Father can work on the Sabbath, then I can work on the Sabbath. He's the Father, I'm the Son. It's, we're on the same strata, we're on the same level, we're the same substance. What, what applies to God applies to me. And that is why in verse 18, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. 
Now in the next bit, the passage we're looking at today, we will see three distinctive things that Jesus tells us about himself as the son who is equal with God. And, and to underline their vital importance, they are each introduced by Jesus with the phrase, truly, truly, I say to you. We see that expression in verse 19. We see it again down in verse 24. And we see it again in verse 25. And so verse 19 to, to verse 23, we will see that the son does what the father does. In verse 24, we will see the Son gives eternal life to those who believe. And in verses 25 to 30, we will see that the Son will be the judge of everyone. And those are the three main points on your outline. So we start with the first point. The Son does what the Father does. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. In ancient times, uh, the sons followed their fathers in whatever they did. Right? If your father was a carpenter, then you'd be a carpenter. Uh, and being your father's son would also mean being your father's apprentice, and your father would teach you all about carpentry. He will show you everything he did, and he will train you how to do it as well, so that you will learn from him, and eventually you'll be like him. Well, Jesus says, the son does what he sees his father doing. And in fact, he does everything he sees his father doing. For whatever, verse 19, whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. He does everything the father does. In verse 20, we see that the father hides nothing from the son. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. He shows him everything. And so everything the father does, the son also does. You see that the, the son is different from the father and the father is different from the son? Uh, they're not the same, are they? Uh, their roles are different. The, the father shows the son what he's doing. The son does what the father does. You cannot make the son into the father or the father into the son. And yet if the son does everything the father does, then, then he's equal to the father. He is God. Everything that applies to the father applies to the son. Except, of course, the things within the father-son relationship that make the father the father and the son the son. And one of those things being the fact that the father is the one who shows the son everything. And this father-son relationship is characterized by love. There is no sense of jealousy or rivalry because the father loves the son. He shows him everything. Whatever the father does, he shows the son. And the son does likewise. And it's not just healing people. Verse 20 continues. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. What could be greater than healing a man who has been helpless and helpless for 38 years? Well, it's raising the dead, isn't it? In verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to those whom he will. In the Old Testament, God is the one who can raise the dead. God is the one who gives life. We, we saw that in our Old Testament reading today, doesn't it? didn't we? You know, God, God, God says, I, I kill and I make alive. But Jesus says that the Son does that as well. He gives life to anyone he chooses. The prerogative to give life that belongs to the Father is shared with the Son. 
Now the reason, or part of the reason that the power to give life belongs to the Son is because the power of judgment has been given to the Son. Now in verse 22, the, there's actually a four that's dropped out of the, of the translation. In verse 22, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. You see the logic? The Father's given judgment to the Son, which means he has the power of life and death, because death is a function of judgment. And the reason he's done that is in verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The Father wants the Son to be honored in the same way that he is honored. He wants him to be given the same glory, the same value, the same esteem, the same worship. That is the Father's goal. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son, Jesus says in verse 23, does not honor the Father who sent him. Friends, this is very, very important. You cannot say to me, Andrew, I acknowledge you as a human being and will treat you properly as a human being. But I don't believe your children are human beings, so I will treat them like dogs. I will treat them very well as dogs. I, I won't be cruel to them or anything. I will give them dog food. I will put them on a leash and take them for walks. I, I will give them a kennel to sleep in at night. I will treat you as human, and I will treat your children with, with great respect as dogs. You cannot treat me properly as a human being if you're going to treat my children as dogs. If you treat my children like dogs, I will be just as offended as if you treated me like a dog. If you do not treat my children like the human beings they are, you don't just insult them, you insult me because they are my children. Jesus says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You cannot say, I worship the same God as the God of the Bible, but Jesus is just a prophet. He's just a great teacher. He's just a great angel. He's just a guru. He's just a man of some, anything less than God. If you do not honor Jesus as God, you are dishonoring the Father, not worshiping him. The Father shares everything with the Son. All his work, all his honor, all his glory, all his divinity. That is the Father's will and has been so for all eternity. And the Son acts according to the Father's will. He does what the Father does. He perfectly and definitively reveals the Father. He shares completely in the Father's glory. Jesus is equal with God. Now we saw a few minutes ago that one of the things that God the Father does is raise the dead and give them life. And since Jesus does what the Father does, he also raises the dead and gives them life. And actually he does it in two ways. The first one of them is in verse 24. He says this, and that's the first, the second truly, truly statement. Verse 24, truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. And friends, that is something that is true right now, isn't it? Right now, 
If you hear the word of Jesus and you believe the Father's message about him, you have eternal life. You will not come to judgment. That is, you will not be punished for your sins on that last day. For you have already passed from death to life. What an amazing promise. The Son gives eternal life to those who believe. Remember how hopeless and helpless that man at the pool was? He had no power to save himself or even help himself get healed. And remember how Jesus came and just healed him with a word? Oh, that's a picture of what Jesus does for us. We were even more hopeless and helpless than that man. We were sinners under the sentence of death, under the wrath of a holy God. And there was nothing, nothing, nothing we could do to save ourselves. Even the good things we tried to do were tainted with sin because they were with self-interest. And nothing could undo the, the wrongs that we'd done in the past, including the worst sin, that is, of failing to treat God with the honor and glory that he deserves. We weren't just sick, we were dead in sin. With no relationship with God except being under his judgment. We, we could never have saved ourselves. And then Jesus spoke his gospel word to us. He told us that he had died for us in our place to take our punishment for us. And that he'd risen again. And he commanded us to repent and believe in him. And even that we could never have done for ourselves. But when Jesus called us, his word was so powerful. His voice was so powerful that we who were dead got up and obeyed him. And Jesus gave us new life. He gave us eternal life. He took away our hopelessness and helplessness because now we have that eternal future. He has saved us and we have passed from death to life. My friend, have you heard Jesus calling you like that man at the pool? It may be that today you have finally heard his call. It may be that today you have finally understood the message that Jesus is both God and man and that he came to die on the cross to take the punishment for your sins. And that he rose as, as, as Lord of all and he has the power to give eternal life to you and all who believe in him. Believe in Jesus, my friend. Trust him to save you and get up and follow him. Honor him as God. And if you do, you will find that you will not come into judgment for you would have passed from death to life. And there is a second sense in which Jesus raises the dead and gives them life, just like the Father does. Because in verse 25, Jesus says this, that his, his third truly, truly statement. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, the is now here part we've already talked about. We were dead in sin and spiritually dead. We heard the voice of Jesus. He brought us to life. But there's another part that's still in the future, isn't it? There? There's an hour that is coming. And in this hour that is coming, that 
there is a resurrection that doesn't just happen spiritually, but, but physically. That there's an hour that is coming when those who are physically dead will live. We'll, we'll read about that in a moment. But, but before that, Jesus explains another reason why he can raise the dead and give them life both ways. And here it is in verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. In other words, Jesus, like the Father, is, is self-existent. For, for us, our life depends on, on, on so many other things, isn't it? There's so many things outside that, 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 that we're dependent upon to exist, ultimately on God. But God doesn't depend on anyone outside himself. And that is why you can ask, who made the world? But you cannot ask, who made God? Because that question doesn't make sense. God is, by definition, self-existent. But as the Father has life in himself, he has granted the Son to have life in himself. The Son is self-existent. He, he is divine. He, he is God. He is not created. He is life in Himself. And yet that life in Himself is, is granted by the Father. As an old commentator put it, both the Father and the Son have the same life. Both have it in themselves. Both in the same degree. As one saw the other, but only with this difference. The Father from all eternity giveth it, and the Son from all eternity receiveth it. And since Jesus has life in himself, since he is the author of life, since he is not contingent on others, it comes from him. He is the one who can give life to others. He is the one who can, who can raise the dead and give them life. Life is his to give. But not only is Jesus the author of life, God has also appointed him the judge. Verse 27. And he has given him the authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is a figure from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, a human one who rules over all the earth. And Daniel pointed forward to the Son of Man from whom people from every tribe and language and nation will worship. In Daniel, he is distinct from the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and yet shares in his kingdom and his glory. And because Jesus is the Son of Man, Jesus is the one whom God has set as King over His kingdom, Jesus has been given authority to judge. And so given His authority to give life, and he, given His authority to judge, put those two things together, and we get that bit about what will happen in the hour that is coming, which we talked about. And here it is in verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So that, that the hour is coming is that, is that hour of the final resurrection. And in that hour, on that last day, Jesus will speak again. And his voice is so powerful, Jesus is so powerful, that when he speaks again, everyone will rise from physical death. The tombs will be opened, the dead will be raised. If you thought releasing an invalid who had been helpless for 38 years was impressive, you ain't seen nothing yet. The dead can do nothing for themselves. They can't raise themselves from the dead any more than an invalid could heal himself or that we could save ourselves from sin. They can't help with the process. But Jesus again speaks that powerful word, the one who has, who has life in himself will raise the dead. But at that resurrection, there'll be a division. Those who have done good come out of the grave to a resurrection of life. And those who have done evil 
to a resurrection of judgment. Now, how do you understand that division in this context? What is the good you have to do to escape the resurrection of judgment and enjoy the resurrection of life? Well, you only have to go back four verses. For Jesus has just told us in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. That's the good. It's the only good that can save you. Believing in Jesus. And that will be confirmed in the very next chapter when people ask Jesus what works that they need to do to be doing the work of God. And Jesus will say, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he sent. So Jesus is the judge. He's the resurrector and he's the judge on that last day. God the Father has given him the authority to judge. And yet, his judgment is not independent of the Father. He will judge with perfect justice because he does so for the Father. And that is what the Father wants him to do. Verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Do you see that? It's back to the beginning again, isn't it? The son does what he sees his father doing. The Son does the will of the Father. Everything that Jesus does is to please the Father, including his judgment. Isn't that great? The Son seeks to obey the Father. The Father seeks to honor the Son. Each person of the Trinity is other person-centered. For the Father and the Son abound in eternal love. Friends, as we've been contemplating this passage, I, I trust we've been growing in our understanding of what it means that, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of the Father, equal to the Father, and yet distinct from the Father. He does everything that the Father does, and yet he does it in imitation of the Father because the Father shows him everything. He is life in himself, that is granted by the Father. He deserves and receives the same honor as the Father. Yet he always seeks the will of the Father. He is God just as much as the Father is. But he's not the Father. He's the Son. And it's the Father's will that all should honor the Son. Well, this evening we've asked the question, what does the Son do? And guided by these three truly, truly statements in the passage, we've seen three things. The Son does what the Father does. And specifically, the Son gives eternal life to those who believe. And the Son will be the one who will raise and judge everyone. And we've seen how we should respond. We should honor the Son just as much as we honor the Father. We should listen to the Son and believe the Father who sent him. And we should wait for the day when the Son will come again to raise the dead and judge the world, trusting in the promise of Jesus 
that those who believe in the Son will not be punished, for we have passed from death to life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that for all eternity your love for your son means that you have shared everything with him. And thank you that his love for you means that he does, he does whatever you do. That he obeys your will. And we thank you that, that in love you send him to save us to show yourself to us and to die for us. We thank you for reminding us in your word that the day will come when he will raise the dead and judge the world. And we pray that each one of us here will be people who hear his word, hear his voice, and believe you now, and thus pass from death to life. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to honor the Son as we seek to honor you. We ask this in his name. Amen. <laughs>